We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. TickPick should be your first choice to buy basketball tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees, ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Laker Film Room Podcast and Blue Wire Network. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And we've had a little break. I hope everybody had a nice time with, with family over the last few days. Since we last recorded, the Lakers are 2-1. and one. They got a road win in Indiana in overtime, uh, where LeBron went nuts, a uh, game without Anthony Davis. An extremely frustrating triple overtime home loss to a depleted Sacramento Kings team. And then a four-point win over the Detroit Pistons last night in a game where they were up 19 and they they almost blew it, but they they held on. Uh, and in two of those games, in the two wins at least, LeBron at the five was a central topic. We're going to record a whole episode on that tomorrow. But today we're going to discuss something smaller. That's a big thing. I think that LeBron at the five is one of the real landmarks of the season. I think it's a, one of the bigger events that have happened so far and that kind of changes the path that we're on. And we're going to record on the strengths and weaknesses of that. But before that, there are certain things, D, that every NBA basketball player, for sure, every college player and most high school players that they know how to do in playing the game of basketball, right? Like there's a difference between being a good basketball player and making the correct basketball play. And in order to, I think, properly analyze that, I always look at what went wrong or what went right on this possession. And there are certain things, whether it's jogging back or whether it's running back on defense instead of jogging or realizing that there's some floor imbalance when you're running back in uh, transition offense and cutting over to the other side and or setting a screen and popping out behind the three-point line to maintain spacing. These are things that every player is capable of but requires a certain amount of baseline effort and attentiveness to do and to do every single time. This is an area where we are bad at worst and inconsistent at best. I really want to focus on these things because I think they're really informative regarding the times where we play well 
but also the times where we really struggle. So D, I see a team, you, you made a comment the other day about we don't have anybody whose first instinct is like, I'm going to play hard all of the time. And that is something that I think is kind of foundational to this idea. So talk to me about the little things of basketball and what they are and why they matter. I mean, I would argue that the little things are everything that matters about the game. Like, it's it's a given. So it's a given that you're going to need to be great at certain things in order to win at the highest level. It's a given that you're going to need to have great players and immense talent. Those are all a given. I've never seen a championship team that didn't have those those things. Show me one that did, and I'll show you a bunch of other teams that had basically nothing. Mm-hmm. There is a head and shoulders element about every like high level team. Um, and they are just above that in certain areas that make you the cha- that make you the last team standing. And, right? and we have plenty of great on this yes. team. We have we have two legitimately great players, and certainly one that's great adjacent or great at a certain a few certain things. So we have that on this team. It's the other stuff that we, we don't have as much of. Yeah, and that's why I'm saying it's those little things are the things that truly matter. Game to game, like possession to possession, quarter to quarter, shift to shift however you want to define it, right? And you're right. The Lakers don't do a lot of little things well. I don't think they have a lot of players whose first instinct is like, I play hard, but I would actually refine that even more is like, I don't think the Lakers have a lot of high motor players. Yeah. And motor is what will persist what is motor? Motor is such a like vaporous kind of intangible idea. Explain it in, in a basketball context. Motor is the ability to continue to go and go and go and go and go. And circumstances of the game do not impact your want or desire to keep going, to make the extra rotation, to, to sprint deep corner, even though you're not going to get the ball, to cut weak side even though that's basically just a basketball action that is meant to set something else up. There is basketball is an effort sport. It like people don't think of it that way all of the time, but it just is. This is where I compare it to soccer a fair amount. There are times where the guy who sprints up the field in order to drag defenders with him is really just opening up something else that's underneath. And there is a and this dude is sprinting. He's sprinting as hard as he can to get to a part of the field. And his understanding of what the scheme is, is that I'm very unlikely to actually get the ball here. Right. Like and there is a I'm doing this for the team. I'm doing this for someone else, not for my individual glory. Right. And there are there are. That that takes a certain amount of will. It takes a commitment to that. And and that that presence of that that is always going, that is always on, like that's what I call motor, right? Because anybody can do a little thing once on on any given possession. Anyone. Like, like, I don't want to like slander DeAndre Jordan here, but I've seen him step up high and then show high on a shooter and then drop back to the paint and then pick up another cutter and then boom, I'm going to the glass rebound outlet and then run the floor hard and then suck in the defender. And then it's the, and then it's actually the swing pass. 
to the wing for the open three. And it's just like, okay, he may not have even touched the ball on that possession, but his impact was there based off the fact that he was actually going hard. And that's what the team needs. And the Lakers do not have enough of that. Well, the soccer analogy is apt because the prime of a soccer player to me is about five years earlier than that of a basketball player. So we're talking oh, more like that's interesting. 22 to 27 or something compared to 27 to 32, mm. um, just to give a five-year range. And the reason is pure, purely physical because the bot, you just cannot run that much and that fast and that hard um, unless with some rare exceptions uh, and until the point where you can do it and, and the skill level doesn't isn't requisite. The way that I think about it in the NBA is basically the turbo meter in NBA Jam. So <laughs> yes, <laughs> LeBron's LeBron's meter, right, is always at a certain level. Like he's always got a, a, a certain level of turbo. But once you get into the fourth quarter and especially once you get into the playoffs, that thing is pretty much down. And and it's amazing, uh, especially at this age. But in but right now, the turbo meter isn't going up too high that often. And he's still dominant at times, but it's but it's just a different level. Anthony Davis's turbo level during the bubble was pretty much pressed down, you know, pressing X or whatever the whatever you configure your, your controller to be on your Super Nintendo. Um, like that was down. But last year, it wasn't down very much at all. And he told us that before the season. This year, it's been better than last year, but it hasn't been down that hard. And I think about the player that that we probably talked the most on this podcast uh, since I've been on that has the turbo meter down the most, and it's probably Caruso. But can Caruso's turbo meter be down for 35 minutes a night? Probably not. And that's where you get into that soccer prime type analogy, because when you play that hard all the time, it's hard to sustain it over the course of an NBA season unless you keep the minutes down. So I'm really curious what happens in Chicago with him this year, like later in the year, right? Is, is he in knocking on wood because he's our guy, yeah, but I would be a little bit wary of starting him and playing him 35 minutes a night because of that turbo meter. So in, in this, to bring this back to you, Pete, and looking at the current Laker roster, one of the reasons why I think we liked Reeves, especially early was a, he did the little things that you discussed and B he had that turbo meter just smashed down and and yet he had a hamstring strain and yeah, it speaks to your point you, yeah you know what i mean and so it's a it's a real tricky thing and when we ex- we just expect oh man you got dude you got to play well, like we watch and we think you have to play at your peak turbo meter the whole game all night <laughs> every night and that's where we try to bring in some of the context of the season to it but it's a it, it's a it's something that bears more discussion about how do they engage it more. Like DeAndre just has to – he's just got to press it down more, period. And then other guys like LeBron, it's a bit more of a nuanced discussion. It's funny too because when it happens, like the starters had their best shift of the season in the second half in that third quarter against the Detroit Pistons. And part of it is because – part of it was matchup-based, right? They're, they're a good matchup for the bigger lineup because Cade isn't particularly fast and uh, Isaiah Stewart is not a lob threat, right? Like The conditions were there, but – when they have that effort and spirit, like it's such a noticeable difference when they have it versus when they don't. And it is it is simple, but through a viewer experience, through our experience, it's easy to look at the game and just sports in general is kind of like a, a video game or like a 2K thing where they have that turbo button. Like if you're playing Madden or you're playing 2K, you want to hit the gas, you can do that and you'll see the meter go down, right? But when you're watching that game, you're not looking at LeBron James's turbo meter at any 
any given moment or Anthony Davis's. So let's take a quick break. I want to focus on LeBron and AD in this because they're central to this topic, I believe. Lakers basketball is finally back. And there's no need to exhaust yourself by searching all over the internet to find Lakers tickets anymore. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site. And the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NBA tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all their NBA tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices on the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in purchase price. I'm excited to see this Lakers squad get out in transition this year, and there's nothing like seeing a great fast-breaking team in person. Visit TickPick.com slash LFR today and use promo code LFR to save $10 on your first order of Lakers tickets. Are you looking for ways to skip the trip to the post office and dodge all that hectic holiday shopping traffic? Why not save time and money with Stamps.com? Stamps.com lets you compare rates, print labels, and access exclusive discounts on UPS and USPS services all year long. It just makes sense, especially if your business sends more mail and packages during the holidays. Whether you're selling online or running an office or side hustle, Stamps.com can save you so much time, money, and stress during the holidays. Access all the post office and UPS shipping services you need without taking the trip and get discounts you can't find anywhere else, like up to 40% off USPS rates and 76% off UPS. Save time and money this holiday season with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code FILMROOM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, free postage, and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, and enter the code FILMROOM. So, Mike, I've said for a couple of years now that the worst team in the NBA is the Lakers with the 20-point lead. And that was true before this season. I was saying that before this this season as well. And I think a big part of that is LeBron and AD in particular, there's a certain amount of like relaxing, like, okay, we got this 19-point lead against the Pistons. How many times have we seen this this year against OKC? A couple of times. There have been several games that fit this description. Every time. It's, and it's so frustrating, right? And Mike, it goes the same way, right? Where, right, where they, they, they take their foot off of the gas and it goes away and it goes away quickly. And in part, it's because LeBron and AD will relax and we're so reliant upon them, especially on this team with Anthony Davis, the, to be locked in and good on defense that a small team that is not mentally engaged, that can get real bad real quick. So, Mike, what are you seeing? You're there in the arena and in these, you've seen this pattern develop with this team, with LeBron and AD in particular. I'm not asking you to call them out or anything like that, but there is there is a certain like relaxation that I see. What do you see in the arena? Yeah, I mean, it looks the same, you know, in the arena as it does on TV in that sense, right? <laughs> the The level that they're at this season is so interesting because they're experiencing a change in the guys around them. And... I think that in the past, if they're – I don't want to spam the turbo meter analogy too much, so I'll, this will be the last time. But if they're if they're not having some of those 3 and D guys that are veering more towards the D with them in whatever lineup, whether it's the starting lineup or whether they go small, I think that they got used to playing with some of those guys who are going to pick up some of that energy slack. Yes. Uh, yes. And, and therefore, when they dropped a little bit, which – I again, I've always been one to almost advocate for that because they know how to get themselves through a season and especially LeBron. 
you know, AD it was a little bit more. You you, you know you want so that that sometimes to be a little bit higher, but like I got that LeBron is planning for that 365 day as to what his body allocation is going to be, and and that is the job of those other guys. But when those other guys, and a couple of them this year, we we started mentioning DeAndre, um, guys off the bench who are a little bit closer to specialists like Mello or Monk or Ellington, where they're used to being, they've been asked to score basically when they come in for their previous teams. And now they're being asked to defend and not only defend, but put more of their meter onto the defensive end because you don't really need their offense that much other than you need the idea of them spacing the floor for LeBron and AD. And sure, hit a couple shots here or there, but you shouldn't be depending on Malik Monk to score 17 points off the bench. And guess what? You didn't need anybody to last night because all three of the stars were actually scoring. 25, 24, 33. Like that was the totals for LeBron, AD, and, uh, and Russ. So, Darius, maybe I can kick that to you then, but that's the way that I see it is that LeBron and AD have been playing with a certain type of guy, mostly, for these last couple of seasons. And now that the roster has changed, they're still sort of playing that same way. And that defensive slack isn't being picked up by some of their teammates. And so here we are. Uh, can it get better? Yes. Will it get better? Yes. I think as they all get used to it a little bit more. But that to me is, is what I'm seeing so far with their energy stuff. No, I think that that's fair. And I think that it's an astute point. I also think that this is where there's a, this is where there's some flaws in the logic about the construction of the roster. Right. And so LeBron and AD, in theory, this team is full of offensive weapons. They are guys who are supposed to supplement the three stars in ways that help this team be a great offense. This team is bottom third in the league in offense. (sighs) And there are reasons for that that I think are structural, that are schematic, that are um, you can put on the head coach. I think you could put on... The coaching staff in general, you could put on injuries, you could put on the players themselves. And getting back to the point I wanted to make, though, is that LeBron and AD and Russ, they are all world players who have played the same way. They're pretty much their entire careers. Mm -hmm. Like they're not going to suddenly start being burden sharing, utilitarian, (laughs) like like, like they're not going to be those types of guys, man. They're going to want to ISO. They're going to play in the post. They're going to like freelance a certain amount. Like Mike, you've, you said this very early, like before you were even on the pod, but it's like LeBron James teams, like, you know what their offense is? It's the, like, it's the LeBron James offense, right? It, it's not the triangle. It's, it's not this. It's like whatever the hell he wants to do, you put the ball in his hands and that's what happens. And it's one of the reasons why teams have, his teams have consistently struggled when he hasn't been in the game. It's because guess what? You can't have two separate teams. You, you can't have the LeBron James team and then the team that's not LeBron James. And so that team is going to run all kinds of system stuff, Pete, but the LeBron team, they just going to do whatever LeBron says. If I can just point out one small silver lining to the suckiness of the beginning of this season and with LeBron's injury, the Russ and AD lineups are starting to kind of coalesce at the end of yes. the first and third quarters. And I think that's in large part because they got so many minutes without LeBron because it speaks to your point of like, you've got the LeBron offense for 36 minutes. There's no way to establish something else in the other 12. And trying to bridge this with Mike's point is that there is a certain amount of, yeah, Malik Monk, you like to do these things. Well, guess what? You're going to play three overtimes against the Kings. 
right? And you're going to play, like, what did he play, including the overtime? It's probably the last 22 minutes of that game. That's a long shift, yeah. Right? And then in the three OTs, he probably touched the ball meaningfully once. And he yeah. shot and he shot a quarter three that damn near missed everything. Mm-hmm. Right. It skidded off. It missed so badly for a corner three. It's like it skidded off the backside of the rim and to the left. Like yeah. it was just a really bad, bad miss. And you know why that happened? It's because Malik's a guy who needs the ball a little bit. And Wayne Ellington is probably a guy who needs to feel the ball a little bit more. All of these guys. I thought the same thing about Baysmore earlier on during the season, right? Where it's like there's a certain amount of juice that these role players are going to get as offensive contributors that they're not going to get with this version of the team and so that's a bit of a flaw because now they're not going to be as productive offensively and guess what it is not in their nature to be oh i'm help side let me point out that tag let me be there early let me no 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 that's wayne ellington over there man he's he's not trying to lock down defensively it's it's not in his skill set really and it's not in his nature and so that's the fundamental difference i think in how this team is and it it wouldn't surprise me too if i don't want to say that they're pouting but lebron and ad are looking for guys to help them and when those guys don't help them in very specific ways they're going to be like oh well i guess we'll get it the next time Right. And it starts a cycle. Well, it's a question of how are they supposed to help? Right. If you're looking toward Malik Monk to win low man collisions for you or, you know, be a defensive presence overall, that's not where they're going to help. And to me, LeBron and AD, you said that they're not going to change. And you're correct in that. But what I think that this team needs, and I think they're capable of, is something that already exists within them. It's just kind of a turning of the dial, a redistribution of the energies and efforts. Russell Westbrook's been kicking ass the last few games. He's been really good. If that player is the third best player on your team on a night-to-night basis, you're going to be very good. And now, he has his own, like, the way that he can get disengaged off of the ball. He's so easily back cut or he's like, oh, crap, I got to close out to this shooter. That's that's a whole thing. And kind of managing the absence of little things that the various players that we have on this roster, the things that they're bad at, that's going to be one of Vogel's biggest challenges throughout the year. But that idea of we have these offensive weapons this year, a guy like Russell Westbrook can absorb. There's a stretch during, gosh, I forget which quarter, but Russ was on the court with LeBron and Russ had used like four or five straight possessions. And I was watching LeBron on my rewatch the whole time. And he's just jogging from like wing to wing the whole time. In a lot of ways, it was a little break right in the middle of the game for LeBron on offense where he didn't have to do anything on offense. And we got quality shots and what does LeBron and AD, there's, there's going to be a benefit of that from Russ, from the shooters, from the offensive players. Now, the reasons why we are bad on offense, that's a different pod, and we've already discussed part of the reasons for that. But in theory, your Wayne Ellingtons, your Malik Monks, your Russell Westbrooks especially can handle some of the offensive load. Does that leave, D, does that leave kind of energy and effort points in the the bank for LeBron and Anthony Davis to where is it fair and reasonable to ask them to be better defenders more consistently or to do the little things more because that is what's required of them and they're very good at those things in exchange for those guys kind of absorbing some of the usage on the other end one thing to jump in where it has to be there is because Russ 
he has had some of these pockets, especially on offense, where, you know, nine assists, three turnovers, and 10 for 16. Like, he was pretty efficient. He he'd happened to hit some of the pull-up wing jumpers that a lot of times he'll miss, but he's not going to be able to bring up his level defensively like LeBron or AD can. And that's the one trick with that fit that is, I just don't know if that's going to change. And I, I'm not talking about effort necessarily. Like he can't, but I just don't, I don't know, Pete, you, you kind of, I see an expression on your face, but I don't see Russ as a guy that's going to really turn the screws. We know that LeBron and AD can dominate on that end. We don't know that Russ you know, can can do that, but but kick, pick, pitch back here. Russ is a free safety. Russ has had some good defensive moments with the Lakers. He's forced some turnovers. He's probably our best back pressure guard. He's really good at when he's engaged. He's good at going over the top of that screen and that little poke away. Stu would always talk about this. You don't see this as much in modern basketball, but one of Stu's, you know how Stu always gets pissed off if you don't like shade middle on a baseline pass and you give up that pass. There's certain things yeah. that Stu is always, this is a, I had the honor of adding Chick Hearn calls to the, the calls last Last night uh, for the, the main account and Stu being on a couple of them, it was just a, a warm and fuzzy like, man, Stu's been a part of this for so long. So one of the things that used to piss Stu off a ton is when a guard would would beat their guy off the dribble and let the guy reach behind. This is the old playground trick, right? You get, beat a guy off the dr- dribble D and they reach behind you and poke it away from behind. He still hates this. He, he always tells you, you got to shorten your dribble. You got to cross gotta over, your, you got to shorten yes, your dribble every yes. single time. And yo, as a, as a point guard myself, that shit was super helpful when I was growing up because I'm, I was a small guy where a taller, more athletic player would, you know, love to reach around and try to do that. And the, the tricks to beating out. Anyway, Russ is very good at that particular steal and providing back pressure and just forcing havoc in yeah. a certain way. And it's more the recognition stuff. It's more like he will zone out or space out in ways that just like make everything fall apart. The architecture of the defense. You're right. He's going to make some plays there, but I can't count on him to be a plus defender so, for a game. That's my point. Like I can for LeBron or AD and I need to for the, some other guys on the roster if they're going to win. This is my main point here is LeBron and AD can be elite defenders, not only because of their individual prowess but because of their sort of technical mastery of being defensive players yes this is a super important point point. and so go back to the pacers game lebron playing center and we'll talk about this more like in that future pod but lebron is calling out coverages he's calling out ice and he is playing these angles perfectly he is playing in the exact place and spots on the floor that he needs to be there's a reason why lebron is one of the leaders in charges taken for the lakers pretty much every season even though he's he's lebron james and there's a reason why ad is and should be basically in contention for defensive player of the year like every single season it's because when he's at his best and when he is dialed dialed in he really is a monster like you can't beat him off off of the dribble. He understands angles. He understands timing. And then he leverages his physical tools and brings all of that together to be a complete package player. Other players in the world do not have that combination of physical gifts and technical prowess. They just don't like Draymond Green does. Giannis does. 
And right? even Draymond, but, like Draymond doesn't have the physical tools of well, an Anthony he is, Davis, right? Or a Giannis, no, right? He doesn't, but he is stout. He is strong. He has long sure. ass arms. He is, he has quick feet. So I'm talking physical traits, right? And then when sure. you add the acumen, the mental stuff, the mental dominance, and, and yeah. then the ability to play a step ahead, that only increases his foot speed. It only increases his length. It only increases all of this stuff. My thing is, is that the, if other, if you don't have those physical tools, you need to then be technically good and the lakers do not so this comes back to your point about the little things we'll break here but those guys on the team they do not have those technical skills that allow you to that translate to the little things they don't position themselves well they don't anticipate where they need to be for help situations they don't close out and chop their steps in the right way and then give up the right angle in order to funnel correctly. There are all of these things that they do not do functionally, technically well, and they're not physically gifted. And so this is why the asks of LeBron and AD then, where is the, where's the synergy between the asks of what you're asking them to do and what the rest of the team is capable of doing to help them raise the overall level of the group? They can raise their individual level, but is that going to be effective enough against another five-man group? And one add-on point is that if you think about LeBron in the sequence you talked about, Pete, where he's essentially getting to rest on offense because Russ is doing more, he's only going to rest so much on offense in the game. Like He's going to have to have a requisite number of touches. AD is going to want and need a requisite number of touches. So it's just that's where the balance is becomes tricky and something that they have to keep figuring out because there's they're just by their natures of who they are, they're going to give you a certain amount on offense. Part of it is because that's how they've always played. Uh, part of it is because one of them doesn't want to have a night where they score 10 points and then they're getting ripped by everybody because people still look at the point section first, it seems like. So that's a that's a whole nother thing. And I, I think they're doing they're starting to get there. And the hope is that by playoff time, especially, they've really figured out that balance. But guess what that means? You're not going to have many nights where Malik Monk scores 17 off the bench. You're not going to have that many. Like maybe one guy who hits all of his shots gets 15 points. But it means you're going to have these guys are going to have a hard time finding a rhythm on offense, which is also something we talked about earlier. So it's, uh, you know, these are part of the reasons why they're they're where they're at. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, I, I love Mike's point about we've got a lot of different kind of plates spinning at the same time and that that addressing one thing kind of can create problems somewhere else. Let's take a break. I want to continue this conversation in that context with respect to LeBron and AD. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We have this team that does not do a lot of the little things well, just as you said. And I think Mike makes a great point about how, sorry, we have a Riggs appearance. I'm going to, a little distracted. Let's say, what's up, buddy? How you doing, man? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Pete. (laughs) What's up, man? Mute over here. (laughs) Uh, Always good to see see Riggs on the show. Um, Yeah, so we've, we've got this team that doesn't do a lot of the little things well. This plays in to a broader theme D, where I think that we're going to have to be a pretty unconventional team. Tomorrow's episode is going to be about LeBron at the five. But I think that a lot of this idea of we 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 have a lot of guys that are going to make mistakes, be it physical, technical, whatever. Mistakes are going to be made. One of the what I think LeBron and AD owe the Lakers, quote unquote, in in terms of what we need from them to be the the best team that we can be. And this is going to be tricky managing this over an 82 game season. I'm actually less worried about this over the playoffs is if you're going to make a mistake defensively, you can kind of dictate in many circumstances, or if you're going to get beat, if when Ellington's going to get beat by Devin Booker, at least we can dictate which direction Devin Booker is going to beat him in shade him toward the baseline. We, and so LeBron and AD's responsibility, in my opinion, within that is to be mistake erasers, but that takes a certain amount of motor, right? And is that reasonable to ask them to be consistent mistake erasers because they are capable of that. Anthony Davis, that Anthony Davis that you were just describing is exactly the kind of guy that can be like, oh, you screwed something up over there. That's fine because the two on one that it created over here, Anthony Davis takes away both of those things when he's really locked in and on. Those things are going to happen and we're going to need that from LeBron and AD. Yeah, good luck. Yeah, it's fair. Good luck getting that over the course of an 82 game season. I will say this. I want them to play harder for longer stretches. I want them to be better decision makers, possession to possession. They do not have the level of players around them who are well-rounded enough to compensate for them. They just don't. Here's the thing with team building. The Lakers swapped out three mid-priced, mid-level salary level guys for Russell Westbrook. And then they let another guy who ended up making about that much walk. Four players. Yeah. And those players' baseline level of all-around games was just higher and they can compensate in a bunch of different ways and help lift you up in a bunch of different ways that these players cannot. Yeah. Like they just can't. We miss Kuzma's defensive rebounding, for example, right? Yes. You miss KCP speed. You miss all kinds of other things, right? That you just don't get. So, and also, and also the one mid-level guy that 
we brought on board hasn't played a single game yet on top of yeah, that and that's in Kendrick right. Nunn. When you build when you build out a roster, there's only so much money to spend. And the Lakers said, we're going to make we want to compensate for the fact that last year our stars got hurt. And so we want another star because that star can help raise the level of other players. And that's true. It's true. And that star can assist the other stars in ways that role players can't. And that's true. Mm -hmm. And so you lessen the burden in the stars way in the stars assistance, only what stars can do. Right. It's, it's like you work in a big old kitchen and you've got all the high level chefs and it's just like, okay, well, one high-level chef is out. We're going to bring in the other high-level chef, right? But a kitchen doesn't work with three high-level chefs and then no one else, right? Or then one sous chef and then like 15 line cooks. You need more balance than yes. that, yeah. right? And But that's not what the Lakers have. The Lakers don't have balance. And so the burden-sharing aspect of the star-level things, the guy who can create and break you down and get 30 points with a triple-double and dominate and be the guy who's on SportsCenter, right? The Lakers got <laughs> another one of those dudes, uh-huh. right? But what they did not get are the, like, the meat, are, are, are like the... All the dudes who do all of those other things, right? And so now the stars have to do those things more. And so they are, they, they still need to burden share, but they're burden sharing now in ways that they haven't had to burden share at all. And so when I'm saying good luck, it's not because they're not capable. It's because those are things that they typically would not have to do to the degree that they're going to have to do it now and retraining your mind to do those things when you've been an all nba player since you were a 16 year old in high school let's not confuse things here he is capable of doing anything you need him to do on the basketball court anthony davis too russell westbrook too but they are their habits are ingrained at this point and and so this is why i'm not blaming anyone this is just what it is and it's why it's frustrating and so I think we should do a whole nother discussion at another time about the ways in which you mitigate the flaws that exist on this roster schematically. Last night, there was a possession. The Lakers switched on three consecutive actions. One of them was a ball screen. And then the next action was another ball screen. And then the next action was like a screen that wasn't really a screen at all, right? Where it's just like, they called it out. The two players came together and they called it out and then Malik switched and he ended up on a bigger dude. I, maybe it was Trey Lyles. I can't remember. But Monk is there and he's, and he battled. He battled in the post a little bit. And like, it was like sort of a mid post drive play. He got in front, he contested, missed shot. This was during like the 16-0 run. And it was just like, ah, see, that's how you can sort of mitigate some of these things. Malik's not going to be like, oh, I'm going to be in front the whole time and I'm going to be in the help situation where I'm supposed to and I'm going to do this, this, that, and the other. But you stick a guy right in front of him and say, look, man, look. This describes so many of our defenders. Look, like, don't do make your it complicated. Do, do your best. Your best. Yes. Do your best in this. Mano and mano, you've been doing this since you were six years old. Mm -hmm. Right? Go, go do that. And, and, and so there is more of that that the team can 
can do. And that evolution and that metamorphosis that Frank Vogel was talking about in the postgame yesterday, and it, more in reference to LeBron James playing center, that is a bigger idea that needs to apply to more of the roster. And this team is getting there. They are not there yet. And like, whoop-de-doo, they beat Detroit by four points, right? But there was mm-hmm. a stretch there in the middle of the game where I was just like, this is what it's supposed to look like. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to look like that all, all of the time. But honestly, like, I'm frustrated as hell. Part of it's because they don't do the little things. Uh, and a part of it's because the head coach isn't putting them in position to do the little things. And both of those things are, ex- are at extremes right now. And so I don't necessarily just blame the head coach, just like I don't necessarily just blame the players. It's just like, y'all got to meet in the middle somewhere, right? And sometimes I feel like they're coming closer. And then other times I feel like, oh, yeah, one of them's sleeping on the couch tonight right and it's just like mm, come on man like y'all need to figure it out here and get closer to this because 22 games in now or 21 games in it's just like time slipping away they need to start to figure out what their identity is and come closer to that and that learning i'd like to speed it up a little bit more so part of that a big part of that metamorphosis is uh LeBron at the five. And it ties into this whole discussion about the little things because putting LeBron at the five asks him to do a lot more of them. And so tomorrow, really excited to delve into this topic. I think it's one of the landmarks of the season that um, is going to be very important, but there are a lot of challenges along the way. We're going to be back tomorrow to address the strengths of it, the weaknesses, and what can be done to address some of those weaknesses tomorrow on the Laker Film Room Podcast. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Here's on the line. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Good. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. With his eighth block shot, the NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Ryan spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one, miss it! Brian! Unbelievable. For the victory. It's over. Shot popping out of five. Brian. Yes! And that was a little tough to Alvin Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? 
Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.